Henry Winkler says assumptions are the termites of relationships. Mm. Hello, Polly M fam, and welcome to Talk Your Polly Off, presented by ilovepolly.org. This is your podcast for ethically navigating your relationships, your community, and yourself for a healthier and happier lifestyle. This is Bella Doll. She's my sunshine full of giggles. And this is Joshua Monsuda, the logic to my emotion and the chaos to my order. So now you know us. Pull up a seat and let's talk our poly off. Hello, Polyam fam, and welcome to Talk Your Poly Off. I'm Monsuda. And as always, I'm Bella. But you guys already knew that because you listened to the intro. <laughs> we always forget that part. Well, I mean, sure. <laughs> we just want you guys to always remember us because we're in your hearts forever, just like you're in our hearts forever. <laughs> and we're so happy you come back every time. Yes, we love it when you come back. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no. So here we are, episode 31. Also, heads up, yeah. if this sounds different, we are testing some new audio techniques yeah so basically here's the deal <laughs> we've spent the last month or so trying to move into our new place and getting things set up and where we are starting to really figure out some decent progress with our recording process in our old headquarters that all changed once we moved so we've spent all of October trying to figure out our new headquarters. <laughs> we record in this room. We record in that room. Let's try my phone because we don't have fun, fancy equipment. Not yet. Not yet. We're getting there. Let's try my phone. Let's try your phone. Let's oh, try it over here. Maybe it would work better if we were standing on our heads. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so we've been doing a lot. And through the month, in addition to making sure that we put out content for all of our Polyam fam every week, we're trying to life and we're trying to <laughs> throw a Halloween party and, and work full-time jobs and work over full-time <laughs> so we don't always get to come to it as much as we'd like as far as creating better sound quality right so today <laughs> it's special today is uh, for us it's November 1st that's probably not relevant but all of Halloween stuff is over and we're getting ready to set up this episode, and because the ego is an important discussion point for me, I really wanted to add some better quality to the show as I could. Yeah. And so we took our office <laughs> and turned it into a blanket fort <laughs> for some hardcore DIY podcasting. Yes, we are deadening some sound as best we can with pillows and blankets and, and my giant, giant teddy bear. my giant life-size teddy bear dog is on my desk in the corner. Maybe I'll take a picture for you. And my rocket raccoon blanket is hanging over the door so we can't even get out. <laughs> Rocket's protecting the entrance. <laughs> we have a secret knock now. <laughs> a special handshake. So hopefully it sounds all right. I apologize if it doesn't. We are working on it, so stick with us. Well, I gotta say, episode 31, they've been with us for 30 episodes. <laughs> With increasing and decreasing sound quality, <laughs> and we still have a good amount of subscribers. We still have some following and some downloads. So people, I think, are willing to forgive our amateur level <laughs> because they enjoy what we talk about or just hearing your beautiful giggle. Oh, shush. <laughs> There's no giggle here. Oh, yeah? These are not the droids you're looking for. I could probably make you giggle right no, now. No, stop. Yeah, I could. No. 
So what are we talking about this week? We're talking about ego. We are talking about ego. But first I want to hear, I mean, we kind of did our Halloween episode last week, but mm-hmm. last night was actual Halloween. For us. For us, from when we're recording, like he it said. It was a couple nights ago for you guys. Yeah, we're recording on November 1st. So, and what did we do? Well, we handed out candy. To like five people, oh no, my goodness. No, 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 there was probably about 18 kids. <laughs> Apparently, this new neighborhood we're in is a dead zone for Halloween. I still think it's because of that haunted house. There was a great haunted house a couple blocks away, and it was fantastic. Because it was so dead here, we turned off the lights and drove around and checked out a couple of haunted houses. Mm -hmm. Didn't go into detail, but we checked them out. Yeah, we just drove by, saw what they were about. One was a little bit more cutesy. Kooky. Kooky? Kooky. (laughs) There it is. That's a giggle. <laughs> Kooky. One was a little more like Nightmare Before Christmas cutesy. Kooky. <laughs> I can't tell if I'm hungry or it just sounds like you're saying cookie. Kooky. Kooky cookies. Wait, have you never heard of the word kooky? I mean, in like a... Not really. <laughs> Go watch The Adams Family. It's in the theme uh, song. That's probably where I've heard it. Like the one time in my life. Okay, well, it's associated with campy Halloween. Oh, okay. Well, yes. Then In addition to other things. In that sense, it was a kooky, campy site. Yes. And the other one was a bit more frightening, scary, fog machine cemetery type. Right up my graveyard. Yeah. Yeah. So we did that, and then I introduced you to the world of The Reanimator, <laughs> which yes. is a movie series that started in 1985. And it's loosely based off of some H.P. Lovecraft's work. I've always gotten a kick out of it. And I got to show you the first movie yeah. in the series. And it was pretty good. It's definitely not a frightening, scary movie. But it was pretty good. It was. It made me laugh. It made me jump. It made me cringe. There were some like good points. When the climax was starting to really ramp up <sighs> and all the crazy shit was happening yeah. really... You actually said, what the fuck am I even watching? Yeah. <laughs> what am I doing with my life right now? It was so good. That's exactly the result I wanted. <laughs> so, yeah. That's... So, after that, I went and spent time with uh, my wife and my youngest daughter. Yeah. And watched some more scary movies. So, yeah. it was a good night. Lots of the things, lots of the people. And then I do want to give a big shout out to all the hardworking first responders and firefighters down in California. Yeah, definitely. My little sister, um, I'm from Ventura County, California. My little sister's still down there. And so she's out currently in Simi Valley, which is in the middle of a whole hot mess of fires again because of those awful Santa Ana winds that I remember growing up with. Yeah. So yeah, big shout out to everyone on the lines and putting their life out there all the time for these stupid fires that's getting into a work field like that Mm -hmm. is really a selfless act i mean like that's a lot of compassion to show the world is that you care enough about the world to say you know what i'm willing to put my life on the line i'm willing to put myself to the side so that i can help other people yeah and anyone that works a profession where that's the baseline of your profession uh, you're doing a fantastic job, and 
the world's a better place because of people like you. Definitely. And not to make light of it by any means, but when my sister was living in Oregon with us, yeah. <laughs> she was a volunteer firefighter for the small mountain city that she was living in. And she, <laughs> she used to tell me all the time that like, it was cool being part of that house, that firehouse. The guys there, and it was in, in the mountains, were always really excited for like the forest fires, right? Mm -hmm. And getting on the lines and stopping those. She really enjoyed the car accidents, not because she wanted people to be hurt, but because she wanted to help people that were hurting. She wanted the gore and blood and stuff because she wanted to put it all back together. I should be dating your sister. <laughs> She used to tell us how, like, the firefighters were all excited for the fires. And she was like, I want to go on a car accident call. <laughs> you know, it's funny that you mentioned that. So when I was younger and I lived in Wyoming, mm -hmm. lived in a small town called Dubois. Mm -hmm. Don't judge it by the name. Wait, do you say the S? Yeah. They're Not from Dubois. Wyoming, so they don't say it like the French say it. Oh. The French is Dubois. Yeah. And they're Wyoming. They're like, it's Dubois. <laughs> yeah. I'm talking about you, all thousand people over there. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> they had their own volunteer fire department as well. Yeah. And when I lived there when I was 18, just after I moved there, I found out that the fire chief wanted so bad to do his job, he went around starting his own fires. Oh, no. And he ended up burning, like, a house down and shit. <laughs> like, this guy's like, I really want to be a fire chief. Nothing ever happens in this small oh, no. mountain town. I'm going to make this happen. That so sounds like a true crime story. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think anyone actually got hurt, but he did destroy a lot of property oh my God. before he got caught. Yeah. Oh, I also want to mention, so again, we're recording this on Friday the 1st. Yeah. Which means I have a date with Miss K-Fug tomorrow on you Saturday, do. or when you're listening to this, two days ago. So... Next episode, I will give everyone an update on how our first date goes. Um, I know she's got uh, pedicures planned and then a surprise after that. So I'm not quite sure what the day holds. I know what the surprise is. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's coming up and I'm excited. And next episode, I'll give you an update. It's kind of cool. So one of the things, I mean, we're talking about ego, but we ain't getting there yet. We've got a ways <laughs> to go. So one of the cool things about actually doing compersion and and working kitchen table poly is that K-Fug made all these great plans and started second guessing herself. Oh no. And who better to go to to figure out Miss Bella <laughs> than Monsada. Right. So she actually got a hold of me and we had some talks and she told me about her plans which I ain't telling you. No. And Can I, I bribe it out of you with candy from Halloween? No, you can't. Where we have 500 pounds left? Yeah, no that's kids. our candy. <laughs> you can't bribe me with half of what's mine. Also, I have integrity. True. So, sorry. True. However, she really wanted to make sure that the date went well. And I tried to talk her through some of it. I didn't want to influence the date in any way because this is her thing. Mm-hmm. But I did want to make sure, like, she wanted to make sure that what she was choosing was the right thing and something that you would enjoy. And I listened to her list and, and told her what worked and what didn't. And if something didn't work out as well as she anticipated, that maybe she try this or... So that's the cool thing about polyamory and trying to date is 
if you're in good with the partner's partners right. or the potential dates partners, then you could potentially get some help. Yeah. Because dating is hard. And so I just, I thought that was cool. That is cool. That's a, I might have rambled happy, too much on that. A happy poly moment on our own. Yeah. You know? So let's get into ego. Let's start with definitions, right? As always. So according to dictionary.com, in the most basic sense, ego is a person's sense of self-esteem or self-importance. For example, wow, that compliment was a real boost to my ego. It's essentially who we believe ourselves to be. When our egos are hurt or threatened, that's when we tend to lash out defensively. Now, if we want to get more into the psychology of it, Freud's personality theory from 1923 breaks the human psyche or personality into three parts. And according to his model of the psyche, the id is the primitive and instinctual part of the mind that contains the sexual and aggressive drives yeah, and hidden memories. The superego on the far other side operates as a moral conscience, and the ego right in the middle is the realistic part that mediates between the desires of the id and the superego. Right. All right. So let's break this down just a little bit. Ego is one of the three divisions of the psyche in psychoanalytic theory that serves as the organized conscious mediator between the person and reality, especially by functioning both in the perception of an adaptation to reality. Okay. The id is another one of the three divisions of the psyche in psychoanalytic theory that is completely unconscious and is the source of psychic energy derived from instinctual needs and drives. Okay, yeah, I got it. I got it. What you need, like what drives you, your gut feeling instincts, that yeah. all comes from the id. Yeah, so I think you know something about superego. Well, superego is also one of the three divisions of the psyche in psychoanalytic theory. There's only partially conscience. It represents the internalization of parental conscience and the rules of society, and functions to reward and punish through a system of moral attitudes, conscience, and sense of guilt. Yeah, that's pretty spot on. Those are the technical definitions, but understand... Obviously, this isn't a medical or psychiatric podcast. Our references, they're going to be a little looser. We're going to play a little with it. When we're talking about this through the episode, we're not going to be so strict about our terminology. We're going to kind of use it a little looser, almost like just regular conversation. Imagine that. You mean we're going to talk to each other? Yeah. So basically, let's, let's whittle the fat off all of this. If we're to look at these three facets of ourselves, we could say it this way. The id is our primal self or our instinctual self, right? That's that mm -hmm. lizard brain. Right. I love the lizard brain. The superego is our idealized self. Like if we were to be the, the best we could be, right? And our ego is the self we show the world. Or it's more like the mask we wear to hide our true or vulnerable self. I like that. Okay. All I can picture right now, though, in all of our research that we were doing is that picture where there was the devil on the one side, mm -hmm. and that was the id, mm -hmm. and the angel on the other side, and that was the superego, mm -hmm. and reality, the real person, was in the middle as the ego trying to balance the two. 
You know, and that kind of makes sense. Like, if we were to look at those old cartoons and old movies and stuff where there's a, an angel on a shoulder and then a devil on the shoulder, mm -hmm. if you pay attention to what they're offering, the angel and the devil in these cartoons and shows are actually doing this very thing. Right. So the angel is doing all super ego stuff. Oh, don't do that. That's not the right thing to do. And the devil's like, yeah, buddy, get it. Right? <laughs> but lizard brain says, this will be fun. Right. And it's usually to satisfy an urge or, you know, just indulge. Right. So that totally makes sense. I dig it. So that's basically where we're at. That's, that's a real quick overview. Yeah. And right? that's, oh, man, there's a hundred plus years of study into all of this stuff. Yeah. Right. We couldn't cover all of ego in one podcast. Well, and I mean, so that's all the technical mumbo jumbo, but we want to take it. Theoretically, it's not mumbo, mumbo jumbo. Mumbo jumbo. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Some crazy babble over here. <laughs> but we want to take it in the like relationship direction. Right. We want to apply it to our poly lives. Mm -hmm. Without overanalyzing, without overthinking, without over describing. Right. We want to talk about the ego and how it affects relationships. So my question is, if we're going to do that, let's start off easy. What are some of the ways that ego is actually good for you? Well, I mean, I think the ego really helps us with our confidence. Yeah. You know, it's, it's our self-esteem and, and our view of ourselves and how we think of ourselves as far as who we present to the public world. Yeah. My views on this are... When ego is good for you, it's because it's internally motivated, mm -hmm. right? The self-confidence, as you mentioned. The internally motivated means that you're focusing on you, you're paying attention to you, you're getting your attaboy or your you need improvement <laughs> attaboy. from inside, right? <laughs> yeah. So you get to make the more real genuine aspect of yourself based on your feelings of what you want to be. Okay. It's internal motivation. When we get to the bad parts, my view of the bad parts of ego, that's when external factors are coming into play. And we can talk about those. So let's talk about self-confidence. Okay. Now, one of the things that I feel is that generally you have a very good personal ego. There's a lot about you that inspires me. Oh. And watching you navigate through life in a lot of ways helps me understand better ways I can navigate through my own life. Right. So inspiration, finding inspiration. I would also say that's another sign of, of ego, right? You're looking for ways to improve yourself, not because you have to, not because society tells you or the church or politics or whatever, but because you want to do better for you and the world. It's like our personal development journey. You yeah. want to be a better person, so you're internally motivated to seek out better. Yes. So I would say inspiration would fall under good ego. We have my inspiration. We have your self-confidence. What else we got? I mean, I think it takes a solid, healthy, good ego to be able to show others compassion. We talked about compassion a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. I think that's going to come from an internal positive ego place. Yeah, because if you have compassion for others, you're sharing what you feel good about you and you want others to feel good about them. Is that maybe where is that where you're going? Yeah, I mean like when I'm when I'm feeling good, 
right? My mm-hmm. my ego's in check. It's not feeling threatened. I'm high on life and positivity and confidence. Then I want, and if I see someone else who's down or struggling or anything like that, it's much easier for me to show compassion and be compassionate to a difficult situation when my ego's in a good place. So, like, it gives you more spoons to have. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I get that. And I guess uh, you mentioned something earlier that I just kind of want to bring back is the personal motivation. You felt that personal motivation was, like you're talking about our journals that we're doing Mm -hmm. to make our lives better, that desire to make each step of progress is a big deal. Yeah. So there's that as well. Definitely. I think that's a pretty good sum up for now. What do you think? For the positive stuff? Yeah. Do you have more? No, I think that's it. Okay. So now let's talk about the bullshit. (laughs) The crappy side of the ego. And and this is where it comes in. And this is where really what we want to address, right? Is is how to improve yourself by handling your ego. So uh, the ways that ego can hurt you is so much, Mm -hmm. right? And you can see it when it comes to all aspects of life. Like I happen to have a boss who is heavily affected by ego. He doesn't like to be challenged, and he has a super big concern about how people see him. And And if you question anything that he does, he gets all fighty about it, you know? So, like, yeah. and it's not just, you're not just going to see this in a, a work environment. You're going to see this in personal life and all sorts of other stuff. Well, once you mentioned your boss, I was going to say, I have a coworker too. Like, work came to mind right away with that is um she also like don't correct her even if she's wrong she doesn't want to be corrected because it's a shot to her ego right yeah and and how are you going to learn to be better if you're too afraid to take criticism right and oh man i could so (laughs) if you guys could see him right now his face just lit up and he's like licking his lips and his hands are like excited (laughs) i could go on about ego for a long time because it's a super big deal. It is one of the biggest things in a relationship that destroys that relationship. Yeah. It has so much play in so much of your life that it determines <laughs> how well you do. Right. And I'm not just talking about these these guys that go get a super giant lift on their truck <laughs> and and try to make it this massive giant tank to protect whatever insecurities they mm-hmm. might have or I'm not talking about that boss or that coworker that can't be correct. I'm talking about everything. Like all of those are great examples, but it reaches so far out. Yeah. So let's talk about a couple of individual aspects of ego that are damaging. As I said earlier, influence from others. Mm-hmm. It's that keeping up with the Joneses. If your neighbor's doing fantastic, they got a brand new boat. You don't want to look like the poor bastard on the street, so you're going to go out and max out your credit cards or take out a loan to get this new boat that's bigger than theirs. Right, like that comparison yeah. or competition kind Absolutely. of thing. That all comes from ego. Right. So that's one aspect. I guess another, I think, you know, for most of us, when we start talking about relationships, I think two things that come up the most as far as our ego getting in our way is jealousy and fear of rejection. 
Oh, those are huge. Those are two big ones in relationships, whether it's friendship, family, romantic, platonic, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Those are huge, and the ego gets in the way. Like, why don't people ask someone out? They're afraid of being rejected because then it'll be a dent or damage to their ego. And now they don't think they're worth as much and their self-esteem drops all because of this fear of rejection hit. I will be the first to raise my hand on that one. (laughs) I feel like I manage my ego pretty well most days. Yeah. But that is one area where my ego is bolstered up to protect the softer inside. Yeah. I love to love, and I, I love to experience new things, and I, and I absolutely love to experience new people, but I do worry about rejection. Which is funny, because in the three years that I've been around you, I don't think I've seen you rejected once. <laughs> um, You're so witty and charming and life-of-the-party fun guy that anytime you've actually shown interest in someone, I don't think I've seen you rejected. See, but that's the thing. You haven't seen me rejected because you haven't seen me take that chance to say, hey, I really like you. Would you go out on a date with me? True. I still I'm don't think they reject you. open and available. I'm just here. <laughs> you, you know, you do wait for them to come to you a lot. I do. Yeah. And I would be the first to admit that that's because I'm using my ego to protect my, my inner self. Yeah. And that's one of my downfalls with ego because... Like, just, just as we were talking about, is that girl from the Halloween party. Mm-hmm. She had to message me and be like, hey, I like you. True. I want to spend more time with you. And when we did that photo shoot a year ago or whatever it was? No, it was this last summer. Was it over summer? Yeah, so we it was did... about six months ago. Yeah. She was in that photo shoot. So we did that photo shoot, and I remember you saying then that you like her. Yeah. But you never made the step. Right. Yeah. Because I didn't want to get rejected. Yeah. So... It's tough. Even when you have a handle on your ego, some of these aspects, like, you can't be perfect all the way around. No, no one ever will. And recognizing your downfalls is important. So, yes, accepting rejection. That's a tough one, Mm -hmm. for me at least. Jealousy is a big deal that so many people have a hard time with. Definitely. And it doesn't go away. You know, one of those things we all get asked when we come out as Polly, don't you feel jealousy? Right. (laughs) Yes. Yes, I do. I just know how to handle it. Thank you. Right. And there are some times that even if you think you know how to handle it, there's going to be that one time where you're like, I can't handle this. Absolutely. And with each relationship that comes and goes and we learn and grow from things, you might get better at it, but you never know when a wrench is going to get thrown in and you're like, ah, fuck, all my (laughs) skills don't work here and I'm dying in a pool of envy and jealousy. Right. And... For any of our listeners who are relatively new to poly or taking your first foray into polyamory. Foray? I need a definition on that. (laughs) That was fancy. Understand that jealousy is one of the bigger things to tackle. And because it goes with ego, this episode is perfect to help understand jealousy because you're trying to understand your own personal ego. But for the aspect of jealousy itself, it will get easier and easier the more you experience multiple partner relationships. It'll never go away. If you are a person who feels jealousy, it will never go away. You will just get better and better at handling it. And after a bit, it'll just be one of those things like, I really got to tidy up the house. Don't want to do it, but it needs done. 
And so I'm going to do it. Yeah. And if you want some more information on jealousy in general, you can go back to episode six that we did. That one's strictly on jealousy, the green eyed monster. Oh man, that was forever ago. It feels like forever ago. Oh, that was a good callback. Congrats. I know, right? So we're going to talk about when it comes to actually being involved in a relationship. Like if you're thinking about relationships in general, you have a couple of milestone steps. When you first start dating, of course, you're putting your best face forward. You're trying to be as approachable and desirable as possible to this new person you're trying Mm -hmm. to court. And as time goes on and the NRE starts to wane a little and the real life stuff starts happening more, like with you and I, our NRE was like wrecking ball hard. We had some intense NRE. As our time went on and we still feel incredibly close to each Mm -hmm. other our life stuff started happening more and more and we started interacting on regular and we moved in and so once i've thrown out my net and captured my bella Mm -hmm. with what she calls my charming dashing nature woodiness then the real life started to happen and and you got to see the behind the scenes stuff a little bit all the fun stuff and some of the masks start coming off and we all wear them everybody then discussions quit being so much like, what do you like to do on a Saturday night? What's and it started being like, position? did you pay the damn bills? <laughs> <laughs> and then all of that comes in and then your openness to your partner happens. Right. And that's when they see more of the real you. So some of the things that we want to talk about next are that part. Say you're involved in a, in a serious relationship or things have have gone so strong that now you've got this big relationship going on and there's a lot of life factors. The masks are off. It's the real you. Right. So when it comes to like arguing. Right. Arguing in itself is not being able to listen. Right. And you, you can't listen because you don't want to hear what you're being told because that affects your core. Yeah, you feel like you're better. You don't need to listen because you already know. Right. Or you're taking things personally and you're feeling attacked. Oh, right? I've got a good I've got a good quote too before oh, we yeah? go on with this. Yeah. So it's by Ernest Hemingway. Quote I like to listen. I've learned a great deal from listening carefully. Most people never listen. And I think that really sums up oh, end quote. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that really sums up. Like, in general, people don't listen. Like, right. you're you're nodding along, and you're like, uh-huh. But you're not really getting a sense of what the other person is saying because your ego is shielding you, mm-hmm. whether you're getting defensive because they're talking about relationship stuff, or whether it's just that you feel like you're better and already know and don't need to listen. Well, and there's another aspect to that, which also goes to the negative aspects of how ego affects an argument or a lack of communication and that's needing to always have the last word yeah. say you and i are arguing and i'm getting defensive about some of the things that you're saying and you're talking about how like you needed to do this and i had haven't done this yet and blah 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 and i'm sitting here and i'm keeping track because we both don't want to be interrupted so much right and so i make sure when i'm trying to listen to you that i stop and i listen open and I accept what you have to say. But on those times (laughs) where that doesn't happen Mm -hmm. and I'm pissed off, right? Or I think you're wrong. I quit listening. My brain shuts off. My ego's like, dude, I got this, right? right? And then you start talking 
And the reason I know I'm not listening is because I'm like, okay, she said this thing, make a bullet point here. We're coming back to that. Right. Oh, she said that thing? I've got an argument for that. <laughs> oh, you think that? What about this Let time me you did this? You. Yeah. Right? So when you realize that you're starting to build a defensive line <laughs> for their conversation, mm -hmm. that's when you know that your listening has stopped and that you're taking a lot of things personally mm -hmm. and you've got to have the last damn word. Right. Right? These are all aspects of your ego saying, I'm feeling very attacked. I'm feeling very hurt. I'm feeling very raw and vulnerable, and I don't like it. Well, and that's what I was just going to say. When when we're in an argument, it's not like me, Bella, that feels attacked, and now I'm defensive. It's my ego that feels attacked and gets defensive. Mm -hmm. So even if you were sitting here with the devil on one shoulder and the angel on the other shoulder, it's like the ego has an out-of-body experience <laughs> And leaves your body and is like, fuck off. I'm going to defend our people because I'm not having this conversation. Right. So the ego gets, because the ego thinks that you're, you're perfect and amazing and all your self-confidence and all these things. And someone's coming at you telling you you did something wrong. Mm -hmm. Even if it's not catastrophically the end of the world, it's some, it's a, it's a chink in their armor, right? Or their their perfect suit, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And so the ego wants to come out with, you know, this is all the reasons that you're wrong now. Uh, right. You're getting your sword and your shield out and you're ready to go to battle and you want to fight these dragons that you feel are coming down on you. Totally. Well, and I think, you know, when that's happening, like most of the time when we're arguing, we're learning from things uh -huh. right you're learning more of your partner's wants and needs and desires <laughs> does, does it, i don't think that happens when you're arguing sometimes but... they need you to do something you could be arguing or they um want some change or something to happen you know like an argument happens because something isn't okay with somebody okay could that also happen with communication without the arguing Totally. Yeah. Totally. I think there's a lot of things that can be done without arguing. But in general, when these sorts of disagreements okay. come up and the ego gets defensive and pissed off, it blocks us from growing. Yeah. Right? So if we were actively listening and having a good discussion, uh, you could walk away with, okay, I'm, I need to adjust how I do this, maybe add this and take out that. And we're going to be better and stronger and I'm going to be a better person for it. But instead of getting to that point, the ego comes out with its shield because it's all pissed off and defensive. And now you're making bullet point notes yeah. because you're going to go on the attack. Yeah, I think that's 100% accurate. And I think that's just one way that the ego can ruin a relationship is where it gets so defensive that it stops you from growing. You know, it's using its shield now. It's all sorts of worried, so walls go up. It pushes people away. Um, in doing that, you know, it blocks love from coming into your life, which in turn can kill your happiness. And overall, I mean, it can make you critical and irrational and just pissed off, all because it got defensive. And to circle back to what I was saying earlier about how it, it affects people at work, people in relationships, people at the grocery store, Keep in check of your own ego is one excellent way to maneuver through life. Understanding that people in general are motivated by their ego 
mm-hmm. and trying to navigate understanding that is a little bit tougher to do. And it's tough because we don't want to admit that we have faults. Right. Another flaw of the ego. Our ego tries to protect us from getting hurt. It's almost like a survival mechanism. Yeah. Once you realize that getting your feelings hurt isn't going to kill you, you can handle a whole lot more. Right. Right? If you are so deathly afraid of someone's opinion that you can't go forward because of it, it's time to maybe stop and remember that it's not going to kill you. Yeah. (laughs) There's this rule... Is it the 555 rule where how is it going to make you feel in five minutes? How is it going to make you feel in five weeks? And how is it going to make you feel in five years? Yeah. Uh, That was actually similar to what I used to help me get past some of my ego issues a few years back. Because I was always very concerned with how people perceived me. Because I want to be a good force in this world. And I, I didn't want people to see me as a villainous person or a shitty guy or whatever. And so I was most always driven by the feelings and opinions of others. Yeah. And that's because I had a fragile sense of an ego, which I really needed to work on. And I've spent a lot of time doing that. And, and in the course of learning that, I've become better with knowing who I am and what I want. As long as what I'm doing isn't actually hurting somebody, then who gives a damn what everyone else thinks? Right. And that took a lot to come through. And one of the aspects that helped me do that was a variation on the 555 rule, Mm -hmm. which is basically a 111 rule. How is this feeling going to make me feel tomorrow? Like, let's just go back to me saying I have a fear of getting rejected. Mm -hmm. If you and I aren't dating, we've known each other, and I go to ask you out. Yeah. I'm afraid of rejection. If I could just say, how's that going to make me feel tomorrow? And answer that honestly. Mm -hmm. And then how would that make me feel in a month? And answer that honestly. And then how would that make me feel in a year? Answer that honestly. I would realize that there's so much that at the very most, by the time a year comes around, shit don't matter. No, you might not even remember asking me out. Right. So the next day... Oh, I'd be a little embarrassed. I'd feel like I wasn't good enough. All those little hits to the ego that you take. And then in a month, you'll be like, oh, yeah, I tried that. I got rejected. It's cool. You know, I'm doing fine without. Right. And in a year, you'll be like, oh, shit, did I really ask you? (laughs) Oh, that's cool. (laughs) Right. It's not going to kill you. Unless it does. (laughs) In either case, you'll either not care or be too dead to care. Okay, so I got us totally sidetracked. <laughs> how about uh, how about you reel me back in real quick, Bella? All right, well, I've got something I'd like to share here. These are just a few signs. We've talked about like how it, ego can affect different relationships, and I just want to give five signs. So if you're like, crap, how is it affecting my stuff? Five signs that ego is affecting your relationships and some quick words on how to change it. So one... Uh, if you're, if you or your partner or whoever is being self-absorbed, they've really put themselves first all the time. There's no balance. It's just me, me, me. That's their ego talking. Okay. Right. Their ego is trying to make sure they are their best self 
And there's no balance between the devil and the angel on the shoulders. Maybe because if they didn't put themselves first in every scenario, no one else would put them first, and then they'd feel lost or invisible. Could be. Yeah, whatever's behind that. One of the people involved in this relationship is a bit more self-absorbed than normal. Mm Mm-hmm. So in order to find balance with that, there's something called the three C's. Mm -hmm. So care, cohabit, and cooperate. Care, that sounds pretty obvious. You want to care about the other other people, show Mm -hmm. compassion. And cohabit means that you want to learn how to deal with each other, right? Right. How to work to feel equal or equitable Mm -hmm. in the relationship. Would that be fair? Yeah. Okay, and, and then so then then cooperate. Cooperating together. So if you can, if you can get this self-absorbed person to kind of work within those three C's, you'll help them find balance, which takes the ego out of the issue a little bit. But how to cooperate? Like I would say, look, Bella, it's not all about you. <laughs> Why don't we find a compromise or some way mm-hmm. to work together to make a common goal? Yeah. I think it's, you know, a discussion of, you know, do we want to make this relationship work? We're having a problem here where it's very one-sided. What can we do together to balance this out? Okay. Okay. All right. And the second sign is that our outer critic is injecting opinions. So, like, where the ego makes up this whole story in its head because it's all defensive and pissed off or whatever. And so then it's, you're not good enough and, yeah. you know, it's, it's injecting these outer opinions into, into your self-esteem. Almost like assumptions of what other people are thinking. Yeah. Being brought. So it's projecting. And so, you want to quiet it by shifting insecure criticism into compassion. Totally. That makes sense. Wow. So your ego is telling you all these critical things. Yeah. Right? It's insecure at the time. So it's, so it's all the self-doubt and all the bad things. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. I'm horrible. I suck. Okay, well, instead of all that, you need to learn how to shift that into having compassion. So I'm so you want to I'm say- doing my best. I'm as strong as possible. You know, I'm mm-hmm. finding nice, compassionate things to say to fight that outer critic that the ego is spitting at you. Yeah, and you want to turn the assumptions around. This person's really mad at me. My partner thinks I'm stupid. And and maybe turn that around to my partner stays with me because they care and they understand that I am smart enough, but that maybe I'm struggling and I could use some help. Right, right. So number three, um, the ego thinks everything's a competition. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> ego is obsessed with being king of the hill. So the only way to really combat that is to chill out. You learn to play nice. It's a skill we learn as kids. So you have to quiet that competitive voice. Uh-huh. There is no winner when you're fighting your partner. Well, and it's funny, too, because you're like a little sports nut. Yeah. And I'm not. <laughs> and because you've played competitive sports so much and you did competitive esports. <laughs> yeah. Professionally. I can see competitive streaks, especially in the sports industry, is what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. I don't like sports. I don't even like PvP video games. Yeah. Where you go around just trying to kill the other team. I believe in in building together. I would much rather have a team accomplishing goals than finding somebody to put a virtual bullet in their head. Right. You know, to beat 
you know, on a field. When you start developing a competitive mindset, and this is all my opinion, but when you start developing a competitive mindset, then every aspect starts becoming competitive. Relationships, work, all this stuff. And if, if the goal is suddenly shifted from we're in this together, we want to win as a team, into that person's my competition and I need to beat them at all costs, then you're really pulling that competitiveness out and causing a lot of issues. Right. So... I just think it's funny whenever that's talked about. All I could think about is sports. <laughs> so the next one is the downfall of so many people, and that's pride. Pride is kind of a false self-esteem. I've seen it used like hand-in-hand hand with ego. Your pride, your ego, it can be used kind of like the same thing, but it's fragile. <laughs> and, and it needs to be beautiful. So it's almost like your ego is your suit of armor, and your pride is the makeup you put on the armor to look pretty. <laughs> <laughs> it makes it shiny. Right. You want everyone to see that you're this glorious knight and blah, 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 blah. Or that you're the most amazing there is. And it gets stuck, it, you know, gone too far. It turns into vanity and it becomes a downfall because then you're afraid to look ugly. Right. In whatever capacity it is. Right. And that's where you need to find the balance between destroying your self-esteem but not supersizing our giant heads right and it's maybe not even self-esteem that you need to destroy but the the false pretense of self-esteem well then the last sign that ego is affecting your relationship is when you get into pointing fingers and playing the blame game oh man that's the worst too. it's so hard and I, I mean really it just comes down to we all need to take responsibility for our own actions and words before accusations and then like reflect on the whole situation before we pull the accusation trigger. No, you need to take responsibility. <laughs> no, you. <laughs> An article from HuffPost.com gives us five tips for dropping our ego when it gets in the way. So in a lot of our conversation, we've been talking about just let it go, right? Let the ego go. It needs to get out of the way. But there's a lot of like, Okay, cool. So everything's a competition. Let it go. Well, how the fuck do I let it go? Right. You keep telling me to drop my ego, but how? <laughs> yeah, don't just tell me, get over it. I need to know how to get over it, because if I knew how, I would be getting over it. Right, right, right. So these are just, again, some more tips that you can take from here. The so, first one is to practice forgiveness. Yes. You want to remove the negative and create space for the happiness. Understand that, again, it's not going to kill you, whatever the situation is, and try to accept that the person that you care about is just struggling, and that's where the anger or the hurt comes from, and maybe they're not just being a total dick. Right, and I mean, I've learned a lot from watching you over the last few years. Oh. And while I don't, I don't really hold grudges for long, maybe a minute, but I let them go pretty quick. I'm quick to forgive. There have definitely been a situation or two where you forgave much easier and quicker than I would have, and it still wasn't quick and easy for you. Right. Uh, but you wanted to make space for bigger and better and happier things, yeah. and you had to let go of that negative shit and forgive. You don't right. forget, but you forgive. But I'm also willing to give people chances to grow because we all need that. 
Yeah. I don't know if I'm skipping over things when I say this because no, no. I do tangent. <clears throat> so another tip for dropping your ego. Aside from practicing forgiveness, you want to practice honesty and openness. Just really being true to who you are and, you know, taking off those masks that we wear all the time. Un it gives you unconditional freedom to be connected with ourselves. You know, if you can just, I hate the phrase, but live your truth. You have to know what that truth is first and be really open and honest about it. I've often taught my kids over the years that some of the pillars of growing strong or growing true is openness, honesty, and communication. Right. If you can get a solid grasp on each of these things, then you're building stronger foundations for whatever relationship that you're trying to build. Yeah. And if I'm going to teach this to my kids, I'm going to do my damnedest to practice it so I'm not a hypocrite. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that has totally changed my life around. Openness, honesty, and communication. Well, I mean, honestly, it just takes... I think being open and honest takes stress out of your life. Right? You might yeah. be afraid to be honest about something... But think about weaving that web of lies. <laughs> mm -hmm. Then you got to keep it straight. And then who did I tell what? Mm -hmm. And all of that is just unnecessary and unhealthy for your life. So what if you're open and honest and someone has a bad reaction? That'll pass, you know? Yeah, the one, one, one. Mm -hmm. So, and that's the thing, too, is that you're going to lie because your ego is afraid of getting hurt because of the truth. Mm -hmm. Or you're going to avoid confrontation because you're afraid of what you might have to face. Yep. Those are all aspects of your ego trying to protect you and actually putting you in more hot water. Yeah. I guess back to our list is surrender your need for control, which is a colossally huge thing. <laughs> I used to be a huge control freak. I learned to let a lot of shit go because I can't control every single thing. But your ego wants to. Right, because if it's all done my way, then it's all good, and if everyone would just see that, we'd all get along better. And I still struggle with it. Yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> that was so cute. Yes, you do. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> and I think along with that too, like, our ego thinks it knows best because it's a balance between the lizard brain and the super ego. But it doesn't always need to be in control. Sometimes it's okay. Well, and if we're going to, I'm going to take a wild step on this tangent here. Yeah. We're talking about needing to control everything, not being able to tell the truth, not being able to be open, not being able to be honest, like doing shady sideways shit to... Make sure things work the way you want. One of the biggest examples of all of this together in a worst case scenario is a narcissistic personality. Mm -hmm. A lot of narcissistic people will use a lot of these tactics to try to control everyone in their existence and especially with partners, which is a big thing. Everything that we've talked about today is talking about your own personal growth and your own ability to make yourself a better you understand that just because we're saying forgive and be kind we're not saying 
don't pay attention to the signs of trouble. Right. So Don't get walked on. A giant narcissist is going to take kindness and compassion and manipulate that into a really bad situation. So you always want to keep your eyes open to what's happening. Yeah. And understand that, that someone who has super-duper narcissistic personality traits has got some real serious ego issues. Yeah. And they need to be worked on, obviously. It's very fragile. But because it's so fragile, they're not going to want to work on it. And so they're going to project all of that onto other people using techniques like gaslighting and mm -hmm. so on and so forth. So this is one of the aspects that all of this stuff is a super big deal to me is because of my understanding of people who are narcissistic or manipulative. I grew up watching my mom being manipulated by a few guys. Yeah. And I detested every guy who did these things. There were a couple of guys that treated her super good. But in general, there are a lot of control freaks out there and a lot of really shitty, manipulative people. Yeah. And one of my goals in life was to never be that guy. Right. And maybe that's where the angel comes in. His super <laughs> ego says, this is your ideal you that you want to be, not that fucking guy. Right. So pay attention to these things, not just in yourself, but also in others. Well, you think that's a big tangent, but really it leads us into our fourth little tip here oh, for dropping our ego is to find silent moments and enjoy them with yourself. Oh, yeah. So the day is too busy, right? We're yeah. all on the run. We've got outside voices and responsibilities and things going on. And if you can find even just five minutes a day to kind of enjoy that silence in yourself, those are the times when you're going to be able to reflect on things that are happening and what's going on around you and get answers. And maybe in those silent moments, that's where you see the narcissism coming through. And you can look back and be like, wait a minute, like this doesn't sound quite right. So finding those silent moments in your days to reflect and just be with your own thoughts. Right. Good self-care, mm -hmm. which we talked about. In episode 23, Self-Care in Your Underwear. Self-Care in Your Underwear. Where we discussed how self-care isn't just bubble baths and chocolates, but just really taking time to build on you. Yeah. Which is exactly what you're talking about right now. Definitely. Do you want to give us our fifth and final tip on dropping our ego? Thank you very much. I'd love to. Yeah, I know you would. So the fifth tip is to practice gratitude. Ta-da! And you want... When you're practicing gratitude and you're learning to appreciate all the things around you and all the people in your life, even just the small actions, you're being aware of the good that's happening to you so that you can acknowledge the good in the world. Yeah. And realize that not everything is a primal threat, which goes back to our lizard brain. Mm -hmm. If you're practicing gratitude, oh, thank you for offering me this cookie. Or thank you for letting me take point five. <laughs> <laughs> You're saying, I recognize that there's good. You're not a threat. You want me to grow. You want to see me do good. That's a really big deal when it comes to building your, your self-esteem and your personal awareness. Is What we've talked about through this episode is, is your ego protects you from threats, real or perceived. And... When you 
start acknowledging that not everything's a threat, you start not being so afraid of the world, mm-hmm. and you start not needing to defend against every little thing there is. Yeah. And practicing gratitude is one of the many ways that you can start acknowledging the good in the world in a real, genuine way because you're being thankful for something that's happened to you. Right. So it's a personal experience. It's a personal tie to the fundamental good of what's happening in the world around you. Well, I think it's also kind of a gateway into... Marijuana. (laughs) (laughs) It's a gateway into turning the negative into a positive, right? There's Mm -hmm. the people that are like, ah, life is attacking me. Everything's happening to me and it's horrible and eh." Right. And you can turn it around into this stuff is happening for me. This is so I can grow. Like, and you can see the positive in things. Yeah. And that negative outlook is exactly your lizard brain being afraid of everything in life. Yeah. So I'm going to try another tangent. We'll see how this goes. <laughs> I don't have another point to tie it to. It doesn't matter. That's the great thing about a tangent. So in my view of the world, I've been around for almost half a century now. A minute. And I have spent the majority of my life paying attention to people and how people work. A lot of it's because after I was shot, my view of the world changed. For new listeners, he was shot in the face at 13. We will have an episode to direct you to someday. Yeah, I'm stalling out on that on purpose. (laughs) So because of when I was shot, my perceptions of the world changed, specifically in how people interact with each other. And one of the things that I saw is as long as you look normal, you're either disregarded or treated normal. Once you look different, then you're treated different. Mm Mm-hmm. And I looked wildly different, especially in my teenage years, because I was constantly going through surgeries. And oftentimes when I was in large groups of people, it's because I just left the hospital and I was getting on an airplane to go home because I had uh, big surgeons in Seattle and I lived over in Walla Walla. Mm -hmm. Or even something as simple as I was always going through surgeries but still needed to do life stuff and go to the grocery store and go to school with stitches and staples and swelling and scars. Once you look so different that people take notice, then you will always be treated differently. Now, as you know, I've grown and I've healed. I haven't had an open wound from my gunshots in 30 years. (laughs) No, not 30 years. 25 years. Either way, I've grown in my beard, so you can't really tell generally. But I run around thinking, oh, everyone's staring at me. Oh, everyone's noticing this. Everyone's thinking this. They're paying attention to how my mouth doesn't work like everyone else's. That's the shit that sticks with you. And that's the thing that destroys your self-esteem. So at any rate, when, when I'm talking about this, and I'm talking about how people's perceptions change and the realities change, When I was going through my experiences, my self-esteem was getting destroyed. I was always the sideshow freak, or I was always a bad center of attention, and I was getting crumbled all the time. And it took me a while to realize that these views or these judgments or these assumptions weren't going to kill me so much, and that it wasn't a reflection of me. Sure, I look like this. I'm never not going to look like this unless I get reconstructive surgery right but it's not 
what I look like that's important. It's how I feel about what I look like that really matters. Yep. And once I started really growing through that, I started recognizing that, no, I don't like the way my teeth are and I don't like the way my mouth is or how the nerves on the left side of my face are almost completely dead, but the right are just as animated as can be. <laughs> but I do know that I care about who I am and most days I love who I am. And I practice gratitude so fucking much. Like, I'm thankful for all the things. Like, just after the Halloween party, I posted a huge gratitude thing because I felt so grateful for all these people in our life. Right. I'm grateful for you as a partner. I'm grateful that my wife and I are working on what we're working on. When you stop worrying about all of this stuff and start finding reasons not to be afraid of life then you can start really living life. So to get back to my tangent that was taking us off track in the first place, <laughs> I have this personal view, which I developed through this, is that the older you get as a person, if you haven't gone through anything groundbreaking or life-reflective, the older you get, the more you realize your mortality. The older you get, the more worried you become about what your neighbors think of you or what your coworkers think of you and that sort of thing. And the more afraid you are to take chances. And in my view, the more you let your ego protect you from everything around you, whether it's right. your boss or your coworker or your wife or husband or partner or kids or, or neighbors, you start developing this shell. The ego bubble? <laughs> the ego bubble. And as you get older, it gets bigger and bigger and pushes all the good things out mm -hmm. while you sit in fear of judgment and death and all this stuff. And one of the things that I'd really like to do is to teach people how to take that chance, break out of that shell, quit being afraid of all this shit. Who cares if you're getting older? Who cares what people think of you? Go do something. Yeah. Skydive. Ask that person out that you want to go. And I went Rocky Mountain climbing. I went 2.7 seconds on a bull named Fu Manchu. What just happened? <laughs> you want to live like as if you're dying. Yeah, because you are. I know. We all are dying right now. <laughs> so it's not about what people think of you while you're dying. It's about what kind of life you lived before you're dead. Anyway. That's my tangent. Actually, this isn't so much of a tangent. It was long-winded, and for all of us that are having this conversation, I apologize for taking over. But if you've listened to a few of our episodes, you know that Mansuda likes his tangents. He well, tell, He's a storyteller. I get passionate. He does get passionate. It's one of the things I love about I'm him. full of passion. <laughs> <laughs> He'll spew passion all over you. I'll spray passion like a crime scene. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but it does lead us into murder. Yes. Murdering our ego. <laughs> Basically, what that tangent is saying is that your ego controls your life. And the longer you live the more it controls your life. In order to no longer be controlled by your ego, you need to find a way to kill it. In order to no longer have your ego run your life, you need to learn how to kill your ego's power so you can run it. Yes. Because effective management of your ego and controlling that the best you can is what helps you live a more full, loving, realized existence. 
So ways that we can kill it, and so we can run our life, is to be present, be in the now. Right. And and that's not just be in the now like, oh, I'm living for today. Let's think about what you're doing right now. Like, be <laughs> mindful of each action that you take in the moment. That helps prevent a lot of the daydreaming about, geez, what's tomorrow going to look like? Or I'm afraid to go on this date or what, whatever. Also, honesty, as we've talked about, that's the best policy, especially to yourself. Honesty to yourself is huge. Like, why lie to you? <laughs> like... Yeah. It just doesn't make sense to me. Well, and it's one of the hardest things you can do. Really. Lie or be honest to yourself? Be honest to yourself. Yeah. In that moment where you're feeling fragile and your self-esteem is down, honestly telling yourself, oh, I was a little bit of a dick right there. It's tough to do. Yeah. It's a knife. It's a dagger to the heart. But it's not going to kill you. And doing it will actually help you grow. It's like trimming the dead leaves to make room for new growth. So one of the other things is to take action. You don't want to just sit and dwell in your overthinking thoughts. You want to make your plan and follow through and take action on that plan, not sit there and overthink it and, well, what if this and what if that? And, you know, your thoughts can be the downfall. So taking action is what can actually help you control your life. You think it, you do it. Yep. You also want to take charge, and you want to be in control of what's in control of you. Uh, I mean, we just got done talking about not being in control of everything. <laughs> but take charge of things in the sense of, I know the bills need to be paid. I'm totally going to get on those later this afternoon. Right. Indecisiveness comes from overthinking and overworrying and not feeling like you're good enough to make that decision. Well, and I, I get into those spots where I can't adult, and I'm like, I don't know what to do, so I'm just going to panic and freeze and do nothing and curl in a ball. Someone tell me what to do. Right, right. So then you also have beginner's mind. Right, and this one's uh, a very special thing, and you look lost. <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted to say it so you could say the last one. Well, I'll just take them both. Okay. So what beginner's mind means to me. Mm-hmm. This is something that I learned. I mean, it's something we try to do in life or we want to ideally try to do in life, but it became especially present in my existence through my years of martial arts. Yeah. My sensei would often talk about coming to class with a beginner's mind or walking through life with a beginner's mind. Is that the idea of being open like a sponge to accepting the outside world? Yes, kind of. Okay, I'm following. Okay, so when we feel like we don't have anything to learn, because our ego's in the way, we're like, oh, we're good enough oh, already. Oh, I know everything. Right. That's when we stop learning, and that's when our minds close, and that's when we don't grow. And stop listening, because we know everything. Right. So when you're taken in with a beginner's mind, even if it's something you've done a hundred times, if you go into it again, like with our martial arts drills, if I'm going through like an Eskrima stick fighting set, mm -hmm. oh, this is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. These are all the steps I take. If I just go in there and like, yeah, I already know these. I'm just going to swing these sticks. I'm not really learning anything. Yeah. But if I go in for the hundredth time and the thousandth time and the millionth time, with the intention of trying to learn what I'm doing, 
then all I'm going to do is grow from it. Instead of, oh, this is one, and this is two, this is three, I'm suddenly going to learn, oh, the transition from one to two feels better like this. Mm -hmm. Oh, my body moves this way for this. And you could take this philosophy of a beginner's mind and apply it to everything in your life. Yeah. I don't care if you've done your bankroll statements the same way every day. If you're going into it with an open mind, a beginner's mind, ready to learn, you could learn new ways to improve your system. If you uh, apply a beginner's mind to a relationship, when you and I are having communication, instead of thinking you know what I'm going to say next. <laughs> what are you talking about? Just in general. Yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. Take that time and, and think I might learn something new if I listen actively. Yes. And you would be surprised at what you actually learn. Yeah, and what you absorb from it all. So the beginner's mind is essential, and it's it's something that, again, as we get older, we stop doing as much, and we stop learning, and we stop growing. Yeah. And what happens when you stop growing? You start shriveling and die. Die. I actually really like that one. But what's your last uh, tip for how it's, to kill your to ego? To be like the birds. Final step is one of the steps that I take to help me get rid of my ego when I feel like it's starting to take too much control. And that's to be like the birds. You can get all caught up in everything that's going on in life and you can't see the forest through the trees and suddenly you're making assumptions and judgments and so on and so forth. Really, for me, what it boils down to is to be like the birds. A bird doesn't let its ego get in the way. It does what it needs to do to survive. It does what it needs to do to fly. It does what it needs to do to feed its young and to just move on in life. So when I look at the world around me, I don't see birds doing a lot of things that humans do. You know, they're not trying to manipulate each other. They're not trying to fuck each other over. They're not overthinking things. I mean, of course, they interact. And in that, there are all animals have tactics or techniques for better mating or for... Like when they're squawking at each other in the tree. Right. But they don't have that thing that humans have developed through overthinking where you're not hearing a bird complain about a gaslighter, right? Right. I mean, obviously you don't speak bird, <laughs> so they might. But realistically, a bird's too busy doing to spend time overthinking. Yeah. And so when, when you say be like the birds or when I say like, be like the birds... What I'm saying is basically all the stuff we talked about. Be in the present. Don't overthink. Take action. Live your life. Do yeah. your thing. Yeah, and if you want to hear more of being like the birds, we had another episode, I think it's episode 8, where we talked about deeper connections. And in that episode, he goes into a little bit more detail on being like the birds as well. So if you want to hear more of that, check it out. For me, really life is an experience. It's the most important experience you're going to have. It's the biggest experience you're going to have. And if you're not living your life, you're not having your experience. Yeah. And if you want to fully live your life, I feel the best way to do that is to get rid of your ego to the best you can. Like, at least manage it so that you're not afraid of people's opinions and you're not afraid of assumptions and judgments and... Taking leaps and adventures... Right. So on Halloween night or Halloween day at work, mm -hmm. no one would dress up. 
I start working there, and I'm always pushing, like, hey, we should dress up for Halloween. Everyone's like, no, we're grown-ups. <laughs> we don't do that. And I said, fuck it. And the first, first year that I worked there, I dressed up. And I dressed up, I think, as Michael Myers. And I was the only one at work that dressed up. <laughs> A lonely Mike Myers. Right. In my... In the Vancouver site, like we have a Portland site and I guess they do a thing, but I work with a bunch of people with egos that are a little more fragile and that's not, I'm not digging at my coworkers. It's just the truth. Right. And, and they were afraid to dress up because they were afraid of being judged by coworkers and they were embarrassed. And again, it's not a bad thing. We all have our things to work on. So the second year I tried to encourage as Halloween's coming around, like, we're going to dress up for Halloween. Everyone's like, no, no, we're not going to do it. One guy, relatively new to the job, was like, I'll dress up. There's another kid, adult. They're adults. They're grown-ups. He's also <laughs> in his 20s. He likes the cosplay. He's like, I'll do it, too. So he dressed up. The cosplayer dressed up really good because cosplay. The other one was still a little afraid, and his costume was super light. Yeah. It was like an apron. <laughs> but I dressed up as Leatherface. Mm-hmm. I brought a chainsaw. I got pictures taken. I don't care. This year, again, trying to get that motivation going. <laughs> Come on, guys. The The other two guys that dressed up before, they dressed up again. Mm-hmm. We have a whole new department with new people. A girl from there dressed up as a unicorn. Oh. We have another guy who floats in and out of the office didn't realize we were all dressing up, but he's still kind of dressed up. Yeah. So it's kind of catching on, right? Nice. Being infectious, growing, letting people see that it's okay to take a chance and it's okay to step outside of your comfort zone. Don't get so caught up in the ego that it puts rust all over everything in your existence. Yeah. And that's, if nothing else, if you're not trying to build great relationships, if you're not trying to... If nothing else, kill your ego so you can experience life. Yes. But that's also how you experience love and joy and relationships. And how you be able to navigate through multiple partner relationships. And grow and improve all those relationships. Right. So ultimately to me, it comes down to being genuine and open to yourself. How closely are you willing to let that mask you show the world be thin enough to show the real you? How real can you get with yourself without destroying yourself? How close can you get to being level and true? These are all things for each of us to figure out. And however close we can get to matching our inner self with the self we show the world helps bring us closer to centering our existence and living as genuine a life as we can get. This ain't easy. And it sets us up for total vulnerability. But with hope, It also sets us up to be able to have that strength and confidence to manage that vulnerability in a caring and growing manner. Like a flower in the field, open to nature and the elements. We can get trampled or eaten, but what matters is how we grow while we're growing. And with that openness of the field, we get the sun and the rain and all the things which let us grow wild and free and true to ourselves. You're a flower in the field. We're all flowers in the field. Or you could be a flower in the forest and you're not getting enough nutrients of life. That's like the mushrooms in our backyard. (laughs) 
So do you want to be a flower or a mushroom? <laughs> really is what it comes down to. Oh, man. All right. Well, as we mentioned, the podcast doesn't even scratch the surface of the psychology behind ego. But to help you explore your own brain, we have put some articles in our show notes and would always encourage you to use your favorite search engine for additional resources for understanding ego. You'd be amazed at the information out there that you can find. And you can always find our multiple social media venues down in the show notes or even on our website, www.ilovepolly.org, so you can get in touch with us and connect with this beautiful community that we're all a part of. Absolutely. I think it was a great episode. I felt good about it. I know that it's a longer episode. I knew it was going to be going into it. So thank you everyone for sticking around for the length of the ego episode. I appreciate it. It's one of the biggest things in relationship that could use focus, in my views, to make your relationships good. Definitely. And I believe next week we are going to finish up our educational topics with intentional direct communication and how comprehending that communication goes hand in hand. So until next time. Stay true to yourself and look for life's rewards. We love you, Polyam fam. Bye-bye now. Thank you for talking your poly off with Bella and Monsada. You can find our Facebook page in the links or by searching for I Love Polly and liking the page Polyamory Get Your Heart On. You can also find I Love Polly on Instagram and Twitter by searching I Love Polly Cares. If you want us to help you navigate to all of our online presence, check out the show notes or come on over to ilovepolly.org. We would love to hear from you. That's right. And you can get in touch with us by emailing podcast at ilovepolly.org. That's singular podcast, not plural. So until our next discussion, Polly and fam. Live like there's no tomorrow. Laugh until it hurts. And and love love without without limits. limits.